Welcome to Mandate. Today we are joined by Sarah Kurtenbach. Besides being a successful businesswoman, she is a passionate, authentic, energetic person who loves to build female leaders in faith. So much for you today. Stay with us. And welcome to another episode of Mandate. My name is Joe Obermuller. I am here, as always, with my very good friend, Mr. Ben Krush. Oh, what's up, everybody? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Mr. Joe Obermuller. How are you? with you again here in Mandate Studios. Here in Mandate Studios, which I guess can travel. It, that's exactly right. We are a portable studio and we go wherever we need to go. We get asked you know, every once in a while, what is the difference between your podcast and everyone else's? Well, our studio's travels, so deal that's, with that. That's right. We have a traveling studio. Really excited about our guest today, Sarah Kurtenbach. Thank you so much for being with us. This yes. is going to be awesome. I am so excited, and that introduction was amazing. I felt like I was running into the Super Bowl. So yes. I'm very excited that's exactly, about this. That's exactly what you should feel like. <laughs> Create the energy early. Woo. Keep the audience entertained. That's right. Keep pushing play. So let's, uh, f- for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a brief kind of bio about who you are and, and what makes you you. Yeah, totally. So, um, hey, so excited to be here. Sarah Kurtenbach. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in a city called Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, went to college at University of Sioux Falls. After that, I moved to Atlanta for two years. Um, I worked for a Facebook technology company. That was not the route I was planning on doing, but God changed everything in my life, and that's the route he put me on. After living there for two years, I moved to New York City to open up their New York office, lived there for four years, and then I just so happened to be set up on my first blind date ever, which just so happened to be my last, with a man named Chad who lived in Sioux Falls, of all places. So um, then I quit my job in New York, moved back to Sioux Falls, started my own consulting company focusing on technology, influencer marketing, social media. And now fast forward um, six years after doing that, we have two babies and we're living the dream. That's amazing. (laughs) So hold up. You so the blind date happened while you were living in New York. Yes, yeah, I and and Chad was was here. Yes, Chad was in Sioux Falls. He just had taken a job in Sioux Falls. My family's from Sioux Falls, so I flew back to visit my family for the holidays. And Chad's sister-in-law actually was the one who set us up on a blind date. So she's like, "Sarah, are you dating anybody?" I'm like, "No, I'm not dating anybody." She goes, "Well, you have to meet my brother-in-law. He just moved to Sioux Falls. You guys would totally hit it off." I'm like, "You know what?" I'm not interested in men from Sioux Falls. Thanks, but no thanks. Because I was living in New York. You know, I'm like, I'm (laughs) never moving back to South Dakota ever. But I said yes to this blind date. And sure enough, that is where (laughs) what I was supposed to do. It was like attraction at first sight. He proposed eight months later. And six months after that, we were married. And how long have you been married? We've been married for six years. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. And you've added a few to your family. Yeah. We have a boy named Pierce. He's two and a half. And a girl named Ava, who is almost three months. So I'm in the thick of it, man. <laughs> well, that's so exciting. I want to. We always run out of time on these things because I want to get to all that. I mean, you've you've had such success in business, uh, and now you're growing a family, and you've made this big move to Sioux Falls, and all these things going on in your life. But uh, uh, let's let's kind of focus on the on the business side of things. Totally. Um, you uh, graduated from the University of Sioux Falls mm-hmm. here in in Sioux Falls, uh, obviously, and. Um, and so, and that propelled you into a lot of cool adventures. Yes. You want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I graduated in 2009 and that was the year that the economy totally crashed and it was a very 
poor economy. So my plan was to work for a commercial real estate agency. I had interned for them the summer before my senior year in college. So I had interned for them. They prov- they offered me the job. I had everything set up. I had an apartment that was literally two blocks away from the office. Like I could not have planned this any better. But when the economy crashed, the real the commercial real estate agency lost a ton of their tenants in the buildings that they owned. So they could not afford to bring me on as an employee anymore. So I moved down there with no job and not just no job, but no one was hiring. And the places that were hiring, there would be thousands of people trying to apply for that job. And I would be going up against men that had 30 plus years experience on me. So it was a crazy period of time. So I started waitressing tables just to make cash, right? Because I had rent to pay. It's like, I got to pay the bills. So I'm waitressing tables at a sports bar, similar to Buffalo Wild Wings, applying for every job I could find, 911 operator, like whatever, I would I would work anywhere, you know? Um, well, then I went to a networking event at a church. I met this gentleman, got his business card, and I asked him if I could take him out for a cup of coffee and get career advice from him because he was the ex-CFO of multiple companies in Atlanta. So I'm like, this guy's got to know people. So I meet up with him. He basically tells me, keep doing what you're doing, apply for jobs, go to networking events, something will happen. I'm thinking this isn't very helpful, but okay, (laughs) you know, I'll keep doing that. So he emails me then one day. He tells me, Sarah, there's a big networking event going on tonight. It's for the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association. My old business partner just started this brand new company called Blink Media. I don't know if they're hiring. I don't really know what they do, but you should go there and meet him and find out. So I put on business clothes. I grabbed my resume. I rushed to this networking event. There's about 300 people there. I don't know what this guy looks like. So I'm bopping around. I finally meet him. Um, We hit it off. He invites me to the office the next day to meet with his other co-founders. And they end up hiring me as an intern for their company. And that's the company that totally projected my career in the digital marketing space and in the technology space. So then two years later, we were getting enough traction in New York that we opened up an office there. So they moved me up there to open up the office. And a year later, we were acquired. And we were one of the largest acquisitions in New York City that year. So it was wild, super fun, super fun. And now when I look back, I'm like, man, I'm really glad I didn't go into commercial real estate. No <laughs> like, doubt. This is where I was supposed to be. So <laughs> so Sarah, I, I really want to go back to you go to this church event mm-hmm. for meeting people. Yeah. Did you know this gentleman or did you, did you know anything about how you doing some research? Like, how did you know I got to talk to this guy? And then what gate, what do you think gave him the idea of, I'm going to think of Sarah to, Hey, here's something more for you. You know what? That doesn't happen a whole lot. No. And you know what is so funny when I look back, I don't even remember physically meeting him at the event. But what happened is I had a bunch of business cards. So when I got home to my apartment, I went on LinkedIn. I connected with everyone that I had gotten a business card from and looked at their profile. And that's when I found him. Um, And when I saw his profile, I was like, wow, this guy has a lot of experience. He probably knows a lot of people. So that's why I reached out. And maybe the reason why he said yes is because maybe he was like, well, this girl really needs help. And if she's willing to ask for help, I'm willing to give it. That's the thing. You got to ask for help, too. You can't just wait for it to fall in your laps, right? You have to ask for help. Um, And I'm so, so glad I did that because if I had not done the work to just connect with him on LinkedIn and ask him for advice, I would have never been in the career that I'm in right now. So I'm absolutely perplexed by this. And I I think listeners need to hear this. Mm -hmm. You had the confidence to go up to a stranger 
that you really didn't know, or lots of strangers, right? I mean, you were desperate, right? Yeah. I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> desperate to get a job mm-hmm. uh, and not waitressing anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which is a noble profession. I am just, the listeners need to hear that exactly what you just said. What gave you the confidence besides the need for a job to start reaching out to these people? Because back in 2009, LinkedIn isn't what LinkedIn is today. Right. You have to, you had to really search out people still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that I just knew because of the climate of the situation where the unemployment rate in Atlanta was super, super high and there were so many people looking for jobs. And also I was from Sioux Falls. I didn't know anybody in Atlanta. So there was, I, I could not rely on connections there. I had to make my own connections. And so it was kind of like ripping the bandaid off, you know, where you're like, if anybody is going to make this happen, it's going to be, be me and no one else. Cause no one's looking out for me here. I don't know anyone in this city. So I just knew that if I wanted to find a job to be able to pay my bills, I had to go out and meet as many people as I could. Because if, if I believe that if I could meet somebody face to face, they would remember me. If they only saw my resume, they would never remember me because a resume is just kind of, you know, one, one in a million basically. And especially when you're a college grad, how much experience do you really have? (laughs) Right. Not a, not a lot. It's such a key. That is, that's brilliant what you just said. I mean, the, the, the pile of resumes, I mean, how do you decide, but, Mm -hmm. but seeing somebody's face and and getting a feel for who they are is so important. And so I want to, you know. It does take courage to go out and and introduce yourself to strangers and put yourself out there. And and that word, that networking word is so scary to some people Mm -hmm. because how do you how do you know the difference between networking, which is relationship building Mm -hmm. and networking, which is transactional? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I'm just meeting you because I want something from you. Yeah. Versus I'm meeting you because I'm, I'm interested and I also... I really need you, you know, how do you tell the difference? Yeah. I mean, for me, I never saw networking as being transactional or trying to get something from someone. For me, I saw networking as making friends and I'm a very just social person naturally. So for me, it's just, I want to make friends. I want to get to know people and I want to hang out with you as well too. And I think that that also benefited me um, when I was in Atlanta because when everyone was so desperate because the unemployment rate was so high, people were very transactional. Like, I need a job. Like, right now, here's my resume. Do you have any open positions? Where for me, since I didn't know people, I was just like, hey, well, will you, like, be my friend? I need people to hang out with, first of all, you know? <laughs> and, like, let's get to know each other, and then let's see how we can benefit from each other. So, okay, Sarah, so moving forward, you get your first shot. You're mm-hmm. an intern from South Dakota. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working in an Atlanta based firm. Yes. Business. Mm-hmm. What do you do to, I mean, interns, you know, when they, you think of the movie scene, right? I, I'm getting cups of coffee, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What did you do or what did you know you had to do to separate yourself? Yeah. And, yeah. Gain, tr- and gain trust? Yes, 100%. So, when I started at this company, they were extremely small. There was about um, five or six of us, and I was the only girl, and I was by far the youngest one there as well, too. Um, I think that one thing that worked well in my uh, situation was that since we were so small, they needed their intern to do a lot more stuff than just get coffee and just get paper. Did I do those things? Yeah, 
you, you've got to put your sweat in as well too. And I had no problem running to get coffee if somebody needed it, but they needed someone to build um, presentation decks for clients. Um, they needed people to be able to help with the media. At that time, we were building a technology to run Facebook ads for the largest advertising agencies and brands in the world. Um, so they needed someone to help run media. And also, um, the f- main founder of the company, his name is Dave Williams. He is one of my biggest mentors to this day. He would bring me along to every single meeting that he went to. It was almost like he saw something in me where he's like, this girl, I'm going to, I'm going to take her along and I'm going to bring her up with me. And I'm going to bring her up when this company goes up as well too. He never, ever made me feel like I was inadequate. He never made me feel like I was unqualified because I was a woman, because I was young, because I was from Sioux Falls. He always made me feel like I was capable of doing anything that I wanted to do or wanted to be. Um, and so that's why he would position me in front of VPs at AT&T down in Atlanta, because that's where their headquarters are, you know, as a 22 year old. And he would have me present as well, too. There was one time when we were just getting started in, in New York and we were doing a lunch and learn at a large um, advertising advertising agency. There's probably 50 plus people in the room, all different brands, um, directors, VP level. And Dave was supposed to do the presentation about who we are, who is Blink Media, what's our technology. And two minutes before the Lunch and Learn starts, he goes, all right, Sarah, it's yours. You got this. I'm, I was probably 23 at the time presenting in front of all of these executives. And I'm like, what? You know, but that's what that's the kind of guy that he was. You know, he was like, I trust you. I believe in you. You can do this. Go ahead. It's your state. It's your stage now. That so. is amazing, man. That that takes a tremendous amount of trust from Dave. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to put that kind of responsibility in your hands. But but it also speaks to something else here, which I'm really interested in. So you're 22, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that you're you're in this environment where you're you're the youngest and you're the only female. Mm-hmm. And, and so that story that you just told isn't one that we hear very often about that kind of scenario. Right. We always hear kind of the the negative side of that. And it sounds mm-hmm. to me you were in a in an environment that was very encouraging and supportive yes. of you. And 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 so that relates to what we said in the intro about how you love to, to build female leaders in faith. Mm-hmm. How did that experience shape your uh, excitement about, about helping other women grow and succeed? For sure. So um, I guess, for, first of all, my parents have always raised my brother and I with the belief that if we wanted to be something, we could do it. So I also just had an instilled confidence in me from how my parents raised me, kind of going back to your question, Ben, about confidence, um, which then spilled into my career. And then I was lucky and blessed enough to have incredible mentors, Dave Williams being one. There was another mentor named Genevieve Boss, who was actually the mentor to Dave, who then mentored me. And these were individuals that were extremely, extremely successful individuals older than me, more established in their career, but they believed in me so much. And they not only championed for me, but they were not afraid to tell me when I was doing something wrong, right? Because that's what a mentor does. A mentor doesn't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. So they really guided me. I, um, I always felt so incredibly respected in my job at Blink Media. Um, and even when it even when I was the only female in the office, I never felt that they were looking at me differently or that they would go and have their own little conversation and they would leave me out. I always felt very included. 
Um, I always felt like they would give me things to do that they thought I was capable of doing. Um, and so I've, I am lucky that I've never really experienced a time in my career where I felt that I couldn't do something because I was a woman or because of my age or because of where I came from. Um, so how that then spilled into my passion for wanting to help build other females, this actually goes back to my college years at USF where I was at a church event and there was a pastor there who was prophesying over people and I've never been prophesied over in my life. And I actually haven't since then either. So this was like a new experience for me, but he was prophesying over people. I was like, well, this is kind of weird <laughs> at, at the start, you know, sure. I'm like, I don't know if I want this to happen to me. And then at the very end, I was like, I actually kind of want to know what this pastor has to say. So I walk up to the front and he goes, I've had my eye on you the whole time, sister. And he just starts speaking into me about how God created me to be a light and a life and a voice for other women and specifically younger women. And that women need a voice to listen to and to look up to that they can, uh, that can be relatable and genuine to them. So I, I always knew deep in my heart and in my gut that God wanted me to be a voice to women in some way, shape, or form. So I've always tried to do that in my career. You know, I don't believe that you have to be a pastor to be in ministry. I think you can be in, in ministry wherever you are and whatever you decide to do. So I always just try to be a light in my career. And then um, in the last about year and a half, I'd started an, an online ministry as well, too, for women called Move Her to help build female, female leaders in faith. Because I just really feel like this is a big purpose that God has on my life. What does that online ministry do? What, how does how do people interact with it? Totally. Yep. So um, right now it's mainly weekly videos based off of monthly topics. So last month we were talking about business. The month before that we were talking about raw and uh, raw and uh, like transparent mom life. Like what is it like being a mom with a newborn at home and a toddler? This month we're talking about marriage. So we talk about all sorts of things that women um, in essence tell me that they want to hear. And I try to make it so it can be relatable to all sorts of women, whether if you're a single girl in your 20s living in a big city or you're a 40-year-old with like three kids and you're a stay-at-home mom in Sioux Falls. Um, so it's mainly kind of online videos right now is what I do. So Sarah, let's um, let's go a little bit back so that we can continue to go yeah, forward. Because okay. I want to talk about <laughs> what, I want to talk about your ministry. Okay. What can men and women, yeah. but specifically, you know, a lot of our listeners predominantly are male. Yeah. What can we do mm -hmm. to create more Daves in this world? Yeah. What can we do as men to create a space where women feel on the same level as us? We don't do a good job of that, in mm. my opinion. And I'll be, I will be the first to say the best leaders I've ever worked for have been females. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. they, every single one I've talked to, and you can get in a little bit deeper conversation with, at least I can, with a, with a female leader than mm -hmm. I can with a male. Uh, and that may, may be just a personality trait of mine. But what they all say is, I don't feel as if I'm being taken serious or as serious as my male counterpart. Part, mm -hmm. Or I'm not being compensated at the same level as mm -hmm. my counterpart. What can we as emerging leaders, emerging people in the workplace, place, emerging people in churches, emerging people in our own families, right? We can get granular here. Mm -hmm. What can we do better to yeah. promote women? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Cheryl Sandberg, the CEO of, of Facebook in her book, lean in, she, um, has a quote in there that basically says that one of the best ways that you can elevate women in their career is to have a male champion for her. 
Um, and I love that quote because when I first read that, I, w- I said that is that was Dave to me, you know. And how I mentioned earlier, I I am very lucky that I've never felt inadequate in my career before. Um, I I will say that when it comes to women who know that they're not being paid the same as men, you also need to ask for it. Right. You need to ask for it. You can't just, again, expect things to land in your lap. Because when I was living in New York and had opened up the office, I had transitioned to the sales side. And what I had found out is I was closing more business than all my male counterparts, but I was being paid the least in my salary. So I went up to our CRO and I asked for a 40% raise. And, I, and that's a lot. But I was like, I know that I'm closing more business than any of the guys and I deserve it. And sure enough, she said yes. If I hadn't asked for it, they would have never given it to me. So you also need to ask for stuff. Um, but I think that, you know, what men can do, and it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because in my mind, I'm like, is this still an issue? Why is this an issue? Right, right. Why are we talking? Why are we talking about this? You know, like, why is this shouldn't be an issue? Um, but I, I think for, for one thing, men... They need to mentor other women, not just mentor men. That was a game changer in my life. That totally changed my life. It totally changed my career when a high executive man, Dave Williams, took me underneath his wing and taught me everything that he knows. He was literally my older brother. Um, so he completely changed my life for the better. And for him, his biggest mentor also was Genevieve Boss, a woman right? So he also had a woman pouring into him who basically also was telling him, you need to not just elevate other men, you need to elevate other women as well too. So in, in reality, we all need to be able to help each other out and pull each other up as well. When I, when I quit my job in New York and moved to Sioux Falls, I did have multiple women who work in a more corporate environment share their frustration with me about how they feel like since they're a woman in the workplace, they aren't getting as respected. They're not getting a seat at the table. They're not getting paid what they want. And that kind of blew my mind because I was like, that's still happening because that was not my experience, you know? Um, so I was like, wait a minute, this is, this is still happening. And then they started telling me about how there is like an old boys club basically where it's like the, the men that are very successful will then only mentor other men. And those are the men that get a seat at the board table. Those are the men that get asked to go golfing. These are the men that go, get asked to go get drinks after work, but they don't ask the women. So if you really want women to come along, you need to ask everyone. And it's not even just women. It's anyone of any race, any gender, any like whatever you believe in from a religion standpoint, whatever background you're from, we need to do this for everybody, right? Not just gender. Um, but that is what that is what I believe because in reality, respect and inclusion will change a work environment. If you respect and include everybody, then all the tides will rise. But if you purposely leave people out because, well, golfing is just a guy's thing, or this is this board and we're just gonna have my buddies be on the board, well, that's awful. The other thing too is also women you need to pull up other women. A couple years ago, I was at a luncheon of a high woman in more of the political realm. And she made a comment about how when she got to the position that she was in, she didn't want other women to get to that position either because she had worked so hard to get there herself and she became territorial. And you guys, I was about ready to... (laughs) lose my mind because yeah. I was like that's the issue that like what you're saying right now is the whole issue because 
you need to pull up other people with you. If you are a woman, my goodness, you need to bring other women up with you and you need to mentor other women and you need to include other women. And so it's, it's not just men, right? It's other women that do it as well too, but we need to include and respect everybody. That's good. That, that is good. good. I've never thought about, (laughs) about it from that perspective before. Um, and I want to go back to to you, you, this relationship that you had with Dave and mm-hmm. the other men in in, the, in this environment that were so supportive, because all we ever hear about now are the improprieties that happen in the workplace mm-hmm. and uh, and the the ways in which um, men have used their power for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so it's created an environment in the workplace that is uh, is really um, fragile, yes. I guess. How did you navigate that with these these men who were who were very positive influence in your life that we're never going to hear about in the news? You know, yeah. like we're never going to hear about it when it goes well. Mm-hmm. So how did it go well, and how did you navigate that? Uh, that uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what to call it. That relationship. Yeah, that relationship. Yeah, totally. Well, I I think first of all, if you are at a company and if there's any person that is toxic, they need to be removed. That's the thing. First of all, it, it like with this whole, you know, like hashtag me too and women really coming out saying like there was sexual assault at where I, where I worked. If there is anything like that going on, any kind of any kind of toxic environment, that person needs to be fired immediately. So you just, you know, there there is nothing that should be OK with that ever. Um, in my in my experience, I never, ever felt um, anything weird like that. The relationship that I had with my male colleagues was very much like a family. They were my big brothers. I felt that not only that they respected me, but I felt that they looked out for me and that they also protected me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me tell you two stories about just my experience there. So when the company initially started, this was in our first year, we had a, a man who was a very high executive at Blink Media. And he, I would say, would speak to me in a specific tone. And I never let it hurt my feelings because I also knew he was a very hurt individual and hurt individuals hurt other people. So I had been mentored enough and maybe read enough leadership books to know that guy actually doesn't, it's not that he doesn't like me. He's just hurting himself and he'll take it out on me, but I will just let it go in one ear, not the other, whatever. doesn't bother me at all. However, all the other men in the office would overhear how he spoke to me. And it wasn't just that he would like say words. It was his tone. Almost like he was trying to belittle me. Well, anyways, he ended up being fired. So when he was fired later that week, the CTO of the company took me out for lunch because we were heading to a client meeting and we were talking about him being fired. And, and the CTO asked me, he goes, Sarah, do you know why we fired him? And I said, well, I just assume maybe he did something with the client or did something bad, obviously. And the CTO said, the number one reason why we fired him is because of how he talked to you. And then they gave me his shares. (laughs) So, right? Right? Exactly. So that showed me that the other men in the office really had my back. If they were willing to fire an executive because he was a little bit toxic and he belittled other people, they were, I mean, they, they were like, no, there's no excuse for that. And there's no room for that. You're out of here. And that's what other businesses need to do, right? Why right. not do that? Well, so that, that was one time where I was like, I'm very protected at this company. The other time, now this was a little bit later, 
where um, we, I had an, uh, an issue with one of our clients and she was actually a female, but she was just very mean. And she was actually so mean to me one day. She made me cry in the office and I never tried to cry in the office because even though it's like, you know, I just, I just don't want to be the crier in the office. <laughs> so anyway, she was so mean to me one day I started crying. Two of my male colleagues saw me crying and they literally took me out into the hallway and they were like, Sarah, what happened? Are you okay? And I basically just told them, you know, the certain client said this to me. She's just super, super mean. It's like, no matter what I do, I never do anything right. So I told them the story. They never were like, pull it together. Stop crying. Stop being emotional at work. You should go to the bathroom. I mean, they, they were like, they again were my big brothers coming in to be like, what's wrong with you? How can we help fix it? And actually what ended up happening is we ended up not working with that client anymore because they were like, if they're going to be this rude to other people, you know what? We don't need their money that bad. So those are just two experiences that I had where it showed that, man, I have other men looking out for me that whether it's if people talking to me to belittle me or, or if I had a really hard day and I've ended up being emotional about it, I'm not going to feel inadequate, you know? So men should do things like that. Well, it's just so, it's so refreshing to hear this story because we only ever hear the story after it's been, you know, it's been dragging on forever and nobody ever did anything about it. And that's the kind, that's the story I hear on repeat. And it's, it's like, man, don't, I just want everybody to do what you just described. Yes. These yeah. are simple gestures. And we've, we've talked about this before. People, if you are in any kind of leadership capacity, what, honestly, you make it up. And you're a leader in some capacity, whether you believe it or not. Mm-hmm. You are in leadership capacity. Your number one asset are your people. Yes. And you need to treat them. Like the point you want to be treated. It's so, I, I remember yeah. I just talked to my seven-year-old about this and I remember thinking, man, I wonder, did I, any anything last week, did I make anyone maybe upset? You know, and I, I had to put, I had to put a guy on, you know, an actual performance improvement plan. And, but I wanted to do that w- with the utmost genuine love for him. Like you just need to do these couple things and, and we'll be right back on track. Mm-hmm. But we need to be on the lookout for each other yes and that starts at the hiring process right it starts we need to hire have good hiring practices Mm -hmm. and we need to make sure that they're going to be a good fit so we don't need to get in that toxic environment and then once they're there your job as a leader is to keep them feeling loved motivated so they keep coming back and you create a raving fan for your organization yes exactly and the other thing too is you know to see people as equals as well to not that one person is better than the other person because people need to remember that an assistant or an intern is going to one day be the vp of the company right i started as the intern at blink media when i left i was a vp so if you disrespect the intern you're going to maybe screw yourself over in the future because that person's not going to be an intern for long. That's right. So <laughs> power does really funny things to people. They do. And, no. <laughs> and, and you can wield that one can wield that power in different ways yeah. and you can use it to manipulate and control, or you can use it to support and build. Yeah. And, and those stories about, about leaders who are, who are humble and, and servant oriented and, and build other people up is, is so inspiring. And what you said, Ben, about leadership, I mean, that's really true. Never underestimate the influence you have over another person. It doesn't matter what you do. There's somebody who's, who's looking and watching and being influenced by what you're doing. And, and we have that whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think to have these kinds of conversations about, Oh, how do I, how do I use this to, 
serve or build support instead of tear down and destroy and 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 sort of hoard power you know and and lots of lots of folks fall into that yeah well because there's enough to go around that's the thing too when you become territorial you're making it so no one wins there's enough to go around in everything there's enough promotion to go around there's enough success there's enough power there's enough money there's enough everything to go around so we need to share it. We need to bring build people up because otherwise also if you're the owner of a company, your company is never going to grow, right? Right. You need to distribute and to, to share it, to be able to have your company be bigger. And that means seeing other people as equals, respecting other people, including other people and getting rid of toxic people immediately. So I, I have another question. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I, I think we're starting to move the needle in being in promoting women i think that needle is being moved yeah and that's encouraging i think there's still work to do mm-hmm. but we can get there i still don't see the needle being moved and this is like an america thing for moms mm. or even dads right mm-hmm. like we're we are putting another human into a traumatic experience both for the baby and the mom or dad doesn't yeah. matter if it's number 1 or number 18 it still is a big thing and it seems to be like the United States is cool with just, you know, here you can have six weeks, you can keep your job, but I'm not going to pay you for it. Yeah. What? I, amen. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, there's all these other countries that are like, yeah, you can take a year off. Yes. I'm going to pay you full time. Yes. And yes, you can have your job back. Right. Raving fan, right? You're thinking, <laughs> I want to live in this country and I will come back and work harder than I ever did for you. For real. We're not moving the needle for moms and dads. Yeah. What do we need to do, Sarah? I know. It's hard. You know, I just saw on Instagram the other day that there is a female business owner that just successfully successfully closed $50 million in fundraising while she was pregnant with twins. But her story was how hard it was to close that fundraising money because what most investors said was, well, what are you going to do after the babies are born? What's going to happen to the company? Reverse, if it was a man who had a wife that was pregnant with twins, no one would have ever asked him, well, what are you going to do when your wife has those twins? What's going to happen to the company? So it's such a double standard. Mm -hmm. It's such a double standard. I think that what would be amazing and is if business owners realize that moms can get so much work done. They are like the epitome of a worker, you know? I also saw something on, on Instagram of a mom who lives in New York and she said, I just updated my resume to say, you know, in the last 18 months because of COVID, in the last 18 months, not only did I work from home, held Zoom meetings, but I also did like, you know, um, uh, schoolwork with my kindergartner, entertained my preschooler and nursed a baby at the same time. If I can do that, imagine what I can do for you. I'm like, Amen. yes, you know, that <laughs> That's is awesome. so awesome. Amen. And, and, and it's so, so true. Like, man, moms are workers. Um, from and, and this is maybe like me personally as well, too. But I think that if people really want moms to win in a, in a work environment, first of all, give them opportunities to do so, okay? Just because they have kids doesn't mean that they're inadequate. It also doesn't mean that their mind's not at work. When I, li- when I lived in Atlanta, I went to this breakfast where the female was a expert in the difference between men and women in the workplace. And her talk was fascinating, super fascinating. But one thing she said that I'll never forget is it was to both men and women, but she said, 
women can think about multiple things at the same time. A lot of us know this, but how this comes into the workplace is if you are, if you are at work and if you hear a woman talking about her kids or what she's going to cook for dinner that night or an upcoming vacation, it doesn't mean she's not thinking about work anymore. She has the ability to think about a lot of things at the same time. But if a man hears that, he's often thinking, she's not even thinking about work right now. Like, should we ask her to be on this project? She's so concerned about her kids or if she's going to make spaghetti for dinner and blah, blah, blah. So what basically what this woman was trying to teach us is like women, um, just if you are going to be in a work environment with a lot of men, just be careful maybe with some of the things that you say because men think about you differently based off of what you talk about. And men, just because if a woman talks about what her friends are doing that night, doesn't mean she's not thinking about work, you know, like women can do this. Um, and moms have the ability to do that to the extreme, right? Because we're looking after multiple people, not just us. The other thing that's going to be so helpful, and I think COVID helped out with this, is flexibility right. with where you work, with how you work. Why do people have to work a nine to five if they can get their stuff done in four hours? You know what I mean? And it all depends on what kind of a job you have. My husband's a surgeon, so obviously he has to be at work to do this. I work from wherever my laptop is, so I have a lot more flexibility in that. Um, But I think that this whole ability now to be able to work from home, you don't have to come to the office every day, is a massive benefit for moms. Because moms are seeing like, oh my gosh, maybe I can actually like be home for breakfast in the morning and take my kids to school because now I don't have an hour-long commute anymore. You know, so moms are going to have the ability to get more things done because of the flexibility of how they work and when they work, which is awesome. I hope the needle moves on that issue. Right, uh, me ben too. Ben and I have talked about this a lot. Just, you know, uh, for for a variety of reasons, um, figuring out a new way to do the nine to five. Mm-hmm. And and I hope you're right that that might have been a, a, a positive consequence of, of COVID is a lot of businesses figured this out. Mm-hmm that people are able to be productive in different ways than showing up at the brick and mortar store for a set period of time. Yeah. And I, I really hope that that's true. I remember living in the Washington DC metro area and thinking to myself, these, these people that are living an hour or more away from Washington DC and have to commute in and out every day, that's their whole life Yes, is, is doing that. And I hope that those folks out there got to the last 18 months at home to experience that. And maybe some companies will start to respond in a way that's helpful for families. Totally. 100%. Because one of my biggest clients, they're a technology company for Twitch influencers. Every single person works remotely. And that was even pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, we had people working in other countries, people working in Utah and Arizona and Sioux Falls, you know, and we're able to build this company from wherever we are. A ton of people that work there are moms and dads. So when a dad blocks himself off at three o'clock because he has to go get the kids, we're like, okay, that sounds good. We'll reschedule this for a different day. It allows people to be able to play both roles in a way that it wasn't prior if you had to go to an office. I'm also just really personally a fan of working wherever your laptop is. So so I'm also personally promoting that too, but it just gives you the ability to do things that you can't do otherwise. We're we're asked by, you know, our employers or or our colleagues to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Corporate America. It's now time for you to think outside the box. And if, 
if a mom, let's say you were going to stay with a six week ordeal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six weeks. Well, maybe the next six weeks she can work from home Yes, and you can pay her full time. Yes. And yeah, she might work eight to noon and then she needs to deal with all the afternoon stuff. But then guess what? She'll probably be on from whatever, nine to midnight, yeah. whatever it may be, or, or do it. And for dads too, we can do it a different way, but we have to be open to the idea that we can do it a different way. Yeah. And the thing I always hear are two things I think are garbage. Cohesion, right? You can only find cohesion by being physically with someone. Well, that may be if you want to be best friends yeah. or you're trying to find a spouse, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's real estate, <laughs> right? You need to be real estate there. Close proximity, but not in work. No. Okay. And then the second thing is how do, how do I judge how productive they are? Okay. Okay, employer. That's your job. Yeah. Exactly. That's your job to do that. You need to find a way to make them productive. Yes. And a way to gauge that. Yeah. That should not, if the employee is asking for it, let them do it. And then that's now your problem to do. You are the leader, you're the manager, whatever it may be. Yeah. Come on. And that'll show you too, like if you're concerned about somebody being productive, then maybe that means you don't need that position that's right. or maybe that person wasn't a good worker in, in the first place. Otherwise, you would never be concerned about that. Right. If they were the right person for the job. So. <laughs> uh, this has been such a great conversation. I know that lots of listeners are going to want to know how to find you and see what you're up to. I'm sure some of the things you shared about your ministry, which we didn't have a chance to really get into today, but there's ways to find out more. So yes. where can people go? Yes. Um, so I'll split this two ways. From a business standpoint of what I do from a consulting, um, my website is the KB group.com k is in kangaroo b is in boy group the kbgroup.com and then my online ministry for women is move her just like how it's how it's how it sounds m-o-v-e-h-e-r.co move her.co or you can find me on instagram sarah kurtenbach is my instagram name very cool i hope i hope you get a few folks reaching out to you this is really exciting <laughs> all that this has been a really exciting conversation. Ben, uh, I know some folks probably want to reach out to The Mandate. Yeah, no uh, doubt. How, how can they do that? No doubt. So a couple ways to do that. Uh, jump on our, send us an email, uh, mandate.pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Insta uh, at man, Mandate Pod or, or on Twitter at Podcast Mandate. Uh, and also look up Mandate. Look for the orange sticker. Uh, find us on all the platforms uh, that you listen to podcasts. And now you can find us on patreon as well so big big shout out to our members that are a part of patreon that are helping us support this uh, little podcast yeah patreon is awesome you know we do some extra content for those folks uh, they get to hear ben and i talk a little bit about our conversations after the fact and uh, it's it's really a cool thing so uh, reach out to us and we'll let you know how to be a part of that that's it for mandate we'll see you next time <laughs>